This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 374 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's 4-1 win against Werder Bremen. We will preview tomorrow's match against Union Berlin and we will discuss the Super League and the UEFA Champions League reform. So lots to get to. For all that and more, joins me Konstantin Eckner. Uh, I'm very glad to have you back. Hey Konstantin, how are you doing? Hey Stefan, uh, I'm doing quite well. Just, you know, slow news day of this whole Super League drama. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's about it, I guess. I mean, they, it came out of left field in a way. It just took us by surprise that all of a sudden the football world is not what's what's what it has been for so long. Yeah, I think if you like release it on, uh, around midnight on Sunday, I think that's con considered a news dump. Um, I guess it was more targeted to the US audience, right, Stefan? Yeah, I guess, obviously, I mean, because uh, yeah. <laughs> it, kind of it was, mid it was midnight in Europe, but it was still sunshine in, I don't know, Pittsburgh. Uh, the, I don't know if there was still sunshine in Pittsburgh, but on the West Coast, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about the Super League first and then talk about the Euro League reform and then talk about Borussia Dortmund? I can do that it that way, maybe, too. I think... We, we, we can dive right in right here with the Super League. I mean, I'll I'll give a little description. I know it's not going to be complete and uh, that is down to A, me not doing all the research and also B, to the Super League TM not really uh, coming out with too many details. But uh, we have 12 founding members of this uh, super exclusive league with Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea and Tottenham from the Premier League. Then you have Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid and Barcelona from La Liga, from Spain and Juventus, Inter and AC Milan from Serie A. And another three club, according to documents from Der Spiegel, um, that hmm. they have, uh, that that they attained or whatever, uh, that said that uh, PSG, Bayern Munich and Dortmund uh, sort of have an pending invite, which uh, I think in Dortmund's and Bayern's case, they have like 30 days to react and PSG had two weeks. Uh, I don't know what exactly the date of uh, of this invite is. And uh, yeah, anyway, so that would make 15 teams if you add these three to the 12. And then basically you would have five more spots to uh, any other team that's, that are up for invitation. And I'm not entirely sure how that will be decided and uh, what exactly um, the, the, the modus then is. I think it's a bit like the new Champions League reform where uh, there are a couple of games uh, like a league table and then from that uh, you have uh, teams qualifying uh, for a knockout round. I, I guess there's a cutoff, something like that. So uh, immediately you had UEFA come out uh, threatening uh, that players uh, will be excluded from national teams that participate. You had domestic uh, associations basically say that will remove uh, Super League participants from uh, their respective domestic leagues and uh, I think uh, Bayern and PSG have quite clearly formulated that they will refuse the invite um, and Dortmund uh, also do not want to participate but they cannot outright refuse it because they have to uh, keep in mind that they're a publicly traded company and if you just uh, sort of refuse uh, 200 million uh, potentially Uh, when you just made 75 million uh, euros in losses, um, that's maybe not the easiest way to, uh, yeah, uh, explain to your to your stock and stakeholders. Um, so, Konstantin, obviously a big clusterfuck, a lot of outrage, and uh, <laughs> and a lot of uh, stupid stuff that was said by uh, by uh, Fiorentino Perez. What's your take <laughs> on this entire situation? 
I mean, we can start with the least surprising thing that uh, Florentino Perez is uh, going out there and uh, talking out of his rear side. So that's that's the least surprising thing of <laughs> all of that. But he's saving football. Uh, he's on a mission to save football. That's my yes, of course he is. Of course, part. I mean he's yes. That that's that's kind of his his mo f uh, from the get go, right? He's he's saving football. He has been saving football for the past I don't know twenty thirty years or so. Of course, uh, yes. Uh, Florentino Perez is here to save the world, basically, and yeah. he will also uh, feed, feed the hungry. Um, but Constantine, maybe maybe mm, this is a good moment to just like reminisce, maybe light a candle, and just appreciate all the service of Florentino Perez. Without him, we would all be unemployed. We would not be able to cover football because it just wouldn't exist. And now. Maybe after 2024, clubs wouldn't even be there. Football would just exist. Every soccer ball would just go out in a puff of smoke, like uh, in in uh, the Avengers films. It's just uh, all gone, according to him. So uh, yes, you you have to keep mm -hmm. all that in mind while we discuss the uh, Super League. Well, anyway. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are like a, a thousand things I can tell, uh, I can, can talk about. But uh, one one notable thing, I guess, it's it's also when we just uh, here on the topic of Florentino Perez. Uh, I mean, the as we as we said, the um, announcement basically, you know, there's a, there will be a breakaway uh, Super League and so on was uh, midnight in Europe at least midnight from from Sunday to Monday, um, and then from that point on, of course, I mean the entire outrage happened and on uh, i mean as expected right um but interestingly there wasn't really any communication by any of the english-speaking owners for instance so it was florentino paris talking on um on, on, a, on a spanish news channel um in Spanish, of course, yes, but but there was nothing by by the English speaking owners, you know, talking to the international audience, to the global audience, in a way. I, I know there are many people uh, speaking Spanish, but still, it, it's kind of interesting that he was the only one, and even the Italian ones, uh, other than maybe Agnelli. I, I haven't seen much uh, from him uh, recently or lately in the past few hours, but um, there wasn't really any communication from the other clubs. It was just Real Madrid, and also that tells you something. Um, and I mean, that's now basically confirmed that. Real Madrid and probably Manchester United with the Glazers um, and Andrea Agnelli, Fiat and, and Juventus, they are the, the driving forces behind this whole thing. So there are, there are some who are driving this and there are some who are just um, lucky participants or even, you know, in the case of maybe AC Milan, Internazionale. Um, I mean, Internazionale is struggling financially in some way and, and the, the owner is looking for maybe potentially to, to sell a club. Um, the, the Chinese company Suning, um, of course, AC Milan now owned, not not by the Chinese anymore, but, but by, by Americans. Um, Arsenal, Stan Kroenke, and so on. So there are some who are just, you know, just happy to be there. I think especially Arsenal and Tottenham, because you can you can argue are they really uh, worthy of being in a in a Super League if you you know take the word Super League uh, literally. Um, and then there are also uh, you know confirmed that there were two 11-hour editions, um, Manchester City and Chelsea, which is also interesting. So that the Abu Dhabi-owned club and and Roma Abramovich club, uh, they were not involved in many of the plannings. They were just asked uh, in the in the week leading up to the announcement if they want to join, and they they said yes because I, I guess they they thought like maybe they were were missing out on something big. Yeah, well, um, so say, they said, was yeah. Is there some Super League FOMO going on? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but 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 it's interesting um, that that they they were they were edited um, to to this whole thing late. Um, and also, I mean, just to be honest, you can be honest about the whole situation. Um, the, the German clubs, the two German clubs, Bayern and Dortmund, they were present at some of the uh, Europa Super League meetings or Super League meetings. It's not even a European Super League; it's just Super League. Um, and they were present at some of the meetings, and they decided uh, for various reasons that they don't want to be part of it. Um, Bayern don't want to be part of it um, I think for several reasons first is that um, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge the, the, chiefs, uh, the, the head of the executive board um, is fairly 
fairly restrictively against uh, investors having control over clubs or like total control over clubs. I mean, he, he acknowledges that you need investors, but he doesn't want to have like the the you know the oligarchs and so on having having total control. So he he, he dis- despises some of these some of these owners in a way. He wants to. I mean, because he himself, of course, also wants to have control. Um, and also Bayern, you know. As all the German clubs, they, there's the 50 plus one rule. So there's an argument, maybe if you want to join a new competition, you know, it's not like if you are a Bundesliga club and you qualify for the Champions League, then then you don't have to have a vote. Uh, do you want to compete in Champions League? Of course you want, because that's the tot- that's that's the structure you are, you are in. Uh, but if you want to basically leave the Champions League Europa League structure and want to go to a to a competition that is competitive to the Champions League, you might have to have a, a vote with your members um, due to the 50 plus run rule. So there's also that. Um, and I think also smartly, Bayern and Dortmund, they probably expected uh, the backlash from fans, from supporters, and even from the media. Um, and I think they, they were smarter than some hours um, and, um, and and just said, no, we, we don't want to be in it. Um, and that's also maybe down to they, these two not having investors who are in total control uh, not having someone who, who just makes the, the decisions on his own basically which is the case in in you know at manchester city at um and chelsea at uh, arsenal and so on i mean there is someone who's making these decisions there are others who are you know yeah it's assisting him and and but usually they are they do a lot of nodding uh in in, in most cases you know and they are just yeah you're right of course sir you're right sir yes you're right you're totally right sir um, can I have another kiss? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that that's also tells you something. And then the third, of course, the third major club. Um, if you say that Bayern and Dortmund are the two major clubs that have rejected the proposal, the third one is uh, Paris Saint Germain. Um, as you mentioned, they are also they are probably getting a fourteen day. Uh, time frame where they can still accept an invite um, but I mean there's a geopolitical reason for for them not being involved um, and uh, the, the geopolitical reason is that they are backed by Qatar Qatar is a major opponent against uh, the the United Arab Emirates against Abu Dhabi and so on I mean the, the blockade uh, has just been lifted in January you know was hold up against Qatar that the the uh, Gulf blockade was held up for three years so that's something um, and also Qatar is very close to the UEFA and to the FIFA and they want to have the World Cup and they basically bought the World Cup in a way um, so their ties to the to the uh, established associations are pretty pretty strong so of course Qatar says no we we are sticking to the UEFA uh, and then there are a couple of other clubs um, who also rejected uh, a proposal or at least an let's say an approach by by the Super League cartel I would I would just call it cartel from from here on out um, because it's basically cartel it's also very un-American to all of our American listeners right I mean protecting business interests to and by building a cartel sounds very un-American very un anti-open market um, so a couple of our clubs that rejected the proposal by the cartel was uh, were Benfica for instance, you know, major, major membership base, I think the, the second largest membership base in the world, uh, just behind Bayern, and Sevilla, you know, a multiple-time Europa League winner, they also said, no, we don't want to be in it. Um, mm. So there are some clubs who are just not wanting to be part of it. And I think, like, you can now discuss all the motives and all the all the reasons they don't they don't want to be in it. And they are, they are several and they, they are wearing. Um, but I think something now is really coming to fruition is that they, those clubs who are not in it and who who they will go down into into the history books as the clubs that op- as the clubs that oppose this whole thing, and that are basically and as weird as it sounds on the right side of history, um, and and that will will be good PR for them. It will help their reputation. Um, I mean, maybe not so much. Paris, uh, because <laughs> you know PSG, PSG, there's they are you know they are with Qatar, they are with the FIFA, so I don't know if, if they really can elevate their their reputation. But for Dortmund at Bayern, um, and also for Sevilla and and I don't know uh, Napoli and you know Olympic Marseille, Ajax and so on, um, I think it helps them that they are not in it and they you know they are outside and they are saying no, we are sticking to the true football and and to to 
uh, established football and we are sticking to to what we have learned uh, and and have have just learned to to love and like at least um so i guess that's also helping them in a way um well we will see i mean especially for the german clubs uh, and not just for dortmund of course we are talking about this from a dortmund perspective but from for the german clubs it's, it's a very very positive thing and now the the entire football world is again talking about 50 plus run rule and is about you know publicly owned clubs and what's the german model and i i don't know how many interviews i've given in the past uh, 48 hours now about german football the German model and you know all this kind of thing the German identity and this the German mod model you know republical uh, to are in other countries could it be copied in Great Britain could it be copied in France and so on so yeah I've given interviews in uh, various languages about the German model now and it's uh, it's kind of intriguing um, to see um, and also by the way RB Leipzig also rejected the proposal yeah uh, another <laughs> poster child of the German model um, lots of, yes, of Schiffer content from Konstantin obviously um no but uh yeah honestly it's uh, it's obviously a, a really tough one to swallow i think for a lot of football fans because um it is by definition very elitist uh <laughs> and uh you know it's it's you know a money grab i don't really think uh as uh florentino Perez said that uh, it's going to save football in any sort of way i also don't think it will make the game that much more interesting to be honest um, also, I'm not really sure how this entire thing is supposed to work. Uh, that's also because um, I think the PR, uh, as as you said, the rollout, the unveil or whatever, has been absolutely terrible. Um, mm -hmm. There was no communication. But um, I've I, I've I've said it in our little pre-talk. Um, you know, I, I think Perez himself talked about the pyramid, right? And uh, What can happen with pyramids is, uh, you know, can happen in the Super League too. Is that it's just very narrow at the top, and uh, that means you have a monopoly or a duopoly or something like that uh, of one or two clubs after a couple of years who make the most money out of the uh, Super League and who just dominate the competition, and then it's rather boring as well. So um, I, yeah. I think there there are some pitfalls to it, and. Uh, You know, getting a three and a half billion loan by JP Morgan and, and, and stuff like that. You know, this whole thing is obviously then kind of financed by debt. And a lot of these clubs that you mentioned, they are very debt ridden. So um, it's it's very problematic uh, whether this can actually be a sustainable business model that they have dreamed up. Hmm. So I'm uh, I'm very skeptical toward whether it actually would be a success or not. Um, and how right. they will try to even the playing field, you know, they have terms like salary cap have been floating around, but there's just nothing really con concrete right now. So, um, yeah, while obviously, um, if, if this really happens, it sort of would rattle the football world. I'm not entirely certain whether it really will happen. Um, maybe I'm a bit naive there and, uh, Uh, it's it's uh, very advanced. I think the next thing that we will see is sort of the the battle of the the lawyers and lawsuits, um, whether UEFA can actually uh, uh, yeah make their their threats count. You know, uh, saying that uh, they will exclude mm. clubs from competitions and players from national teams, etc. Whether they actually can do that, um, I think the courts have to rule on that first. So, um, yeah, until then, everything uh -huh. is pretty much in limbo. I also don't know when this uh, competition would start, etc., etc. But uh, I thought it was uh, interesting to discuss this. In the meantime, uh, we also have Champions League reform uh, because starting 2024, uh, we will no longer have a group stage with 32 teams. It's going to be 36 teams then, and they will play in a league format. Every team will be guaranteed 10 games against 10 different opponents. I'm not entirely sure um, how they draw that out, but I'm sure uh, there's there's already something drafted, which I just haven't seen. And after these 10 rounds, uh, the first eight uh, of that set table will then go to the round of six teams and teams that are placed between 9th and 24th then will have a playoff round to uh, uh, play for the round of 16. And uh, yeah, as you can... As you can already uh, calculate, that means more games. It's instead of 125 games, it will be 225 games. So that obviously means more money. And uh, more money obviously also means that the rich clubs will be getting richer off of this. 
Um, what's a little bit controversial and uh, has a flavor of the Super League in, in my uh, view is that uh, from the four additional spots, two will uh, be sort of dedicated for teams based on their coefficient or their uh, UEFA ranking of the last 10 years. So, for example, right now, uh, if you would take this ranking, uh, Dortmund would still qualify. Uh, one of those spots, even though uh, they're not in the top four in the Bundesliga right now. So um, I guess this is this is maybe why uh, Dortmund were supportive of this reform, even though um, <laughs> there were a lot of fan protests. Watzke said to uh, ARD that in his eyes, this reform is sort of the only way to prevent the Super League. Um, I think this has been uh, seen also very negatively. Uh, it's called the Swiss model. Konstantin, how do you think uh, the Champions League will change uh, starting 2024? Uh, do, you, do you think it will be more exciting this way or do you think it, it will be even worse and the uh, sort of the, the rift between rich clubs and not so rich clubs will grow ever further, which is already doing as is? It's, I mean, it's snowballing in the status quo. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not a fan of the Champions League reform, but um, I don't think it's like a tragedy as some people have, have made it out to be. Uh, I guess uh, one of the negative points to me is that because you abolish the, the group stage and you have this league system with more matches, it's just, you know, more matches in general. And I don't, I don't think that's a good thing. I think so, some people might, you know, look at it and think that's that's something positive to have more matches watch more football but i don't think so um, because it waters down the product and waters down the quality of the I, of the single match i agree um, i agree it's also maybe just too much you're just going to be overwhelmed as a fan if you literally have yeah, and also some, some of the teams yeah. so what you see right now i, I just I, I a few weeks ago i looked into the numbers into the numbers of of uh, basically the mechanical numbers so to say like running you know high intensity distance sprints and so on and what you can see is that like the the, the leap between league football your know, bundesliga and la liga and so on and the champions league is considerable so uh, clubs and, and teams go go 30% or do have 40 30% more intensity uh, in the Champions League compared to league matches yeah, I think which we tells can, you just as, as Dortmund fans I think you can really yeah, see that way but that's more anecdotal evidence but yeah but it's really a, a general you know it's a general uh, thing that um just teams go all out in in the Champions League and even to a lesser extent in the Europa League by the way the Europa League is st still you know in terms of intensity much higher than the Bundesliga for instance um so these clubs or the teams try to go all out in in in, in the matches even this group matches um and i think the group stage allowed for for more surprises because you had only six matches so so uh let's say a slight underdog in the group um could still end up being second or first because just you know a couple of matches win here and there and you are you're qualified now you have to play 10 matches yeah so and, um, and i don't even know how the home and the way schedule is going to be i feel like everything yeah, well. is a bit more random it's it, it's 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 a little bit more and and we have a large uh, american audience here so it's a bit more nfl like where you know you play some teams at home you play some teams of course there are divisional uh, matches of course divisional games but there are also you know so you play them at home and you play the other away and uh, you know the schedules are just made up a little in a way it's not like that i know but a little bit like that uh, you know that the schedules just vary a little bit from from year to year and uh, yeah it's it's someone random and i guess that's, that's also the case with the new champions league i'm not as down on the reform because if you look back uh, uh since the champions league became what it is basically you know going back or going away from the european cup where only the, the national champions could play in it um you had different kinds of formats you had one format i remember uh, where you had two group stages there was like a second group stage with only three teams per group before they went into the uh, semi-finals i remember that was like around uh, 2000 or so so there were real formats over the years and i don't think that's that's a bad thing you can try things out you can change things even national leagues try things out you know some leagues that the, the netherlands played the playoffs and you know other leagues other leagues played relegations and like in the bundesliga we have like now relegation playoffs which was not a thing 10 years ago or, or 15 years ago so i mean yeah you can we can try things out i don't know i'm, I'm not against it i think the new league system will 
eliminate um, more surprises or will make it harder for underdogs to really go into or get into the round of 16. Still possible, in my opinion, uh, because maybe the, the, the top teams can, can't go all out in the Champions League anymore because of the schedule, because they have to play more and more matches and, you know, they... You, it, at some point, your your players just are fatigued, and you co you can't show one hundred percent. And maybe some underdogs can still because they are dominating their home league. You know, they are. I know they are. Uh, it's an Dynamo interesting point you're making. Yeah. That actually, mm -hmm. with the uh, added schedule and the more games, actually, uh, maybe some top teams will suffer domestically this way. Like uh, or, or the other way around, that they will suffer in the Champions League because uh, just think about it. I, I just uh, said Dynamo Kiev. That's wrong, of course. Uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, right? They are. Um, I have to look at, this, uh, at the at the Premier Liga uh, um, right now, but I think they are usually dominating Ukraine. So they can, you know, save some energy sometimes in domestic games, play the bench and stuff like that, you know, and they get still get by or Dynamo Zagreb or something in, in Croatia. So they can save some energy for the Champions League matches while, um, let's say, Manchester City in the Premier League or Real Madrid in La Liga, they can't because they have a tight uh, championship race there, usually. Um, and even Bayern, I mean, the, this year, like, they, they, they couldn't, like, rest and, and just, you know, don't take it seriously because RB Leipzig was closely behind them. Um, so... I guess it can help some of the teams because they can rest more and maybe the top teams uh, suffer uh, in the Champions League because they, they still have to take the domestic championship uh, um, seriously. And yeah, I mean, granted, we just speak uh, as the Super League is not existing. You know, if the Super League exists, right. then I don't, I don't know what, you're, what we are doing here anymore. <laughs> uh, but if, if, it's just the old, if it's just the old system, then, then you know, the, I could see some of the, let's say, underdogs, but still like competitive underdogs like Shakhtar Donetsk, for instance, uh, FC Porto and so on, that they, are, that they have a fair, fair chance uh, going into the round of 16 uh, because of the new system. But I, I, I'm not down on it as, as much as other people because things have been tried out with the Champions League. I guess there is some outrage against the uh, you know two spots being uh, being there for teams that are uh, not qualified uh, through the league competition but still can get in through the ranking. <laughs> so I mean it's 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 precisely like this. Let, let's say Borussia Dortmund are uh, they are finishing fifth. Then you would be qualified for the Europa League and because of the ranking, uh, because of they are one of the best ranked team in, in the in the UEFA ten year ranking, they can still qualify for the higher competition. But they have to at least be in an international competition. They just can't be, you know, if you are fifteenth, right? As, as you you need to at least be in the Conference League, as far as I know, right? Yes, I, I forgot yes, to mention that. Yes. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, you are if you have like a, a, a terrible season like Arsenal right now. I mean, then it's just over, you know. <laughs> so it's it is it is still like a backdoor for some of the top clubs to get in if they have a, if they had a bad year. But there's still something, you know. There, there's still something required. It's not just oh well, we finished 14th, but we are on the UEFA ranking. We are uh, 12 or something, and we are still in the Champions League, although we are right now uh, in shambles. So that's not working. It's still like you are you are slightly below the Champions League and you can still get in uh, and it's only two spots so um, yeah I, I don't I don't see it as a tragedy it's still like we know where it's heading and and it's it's funny because uh, to use a reference uh, to, to another sport but you know the UEFA are now the baby faces here uh, they are the good guys uh, because of the Super League uh, cartel thing um, but uh, quite frankly I mean no of course not if there's no Super League we would right now talking about the Champions League reform and that's that's a shit show and so on and so on we aren't because we think like all right that's not the worst thing in the world because look over there at florentino paris being <laughs> on spanish television and talking out of his rear side where we are back to topic a yeah i mean uh <laughs> to to quote the wisdom of my wife uh if you see this from the bundesliga perspective a uh sort of the uh the chance that bayern will actually not finish in the top four is super minimal so it doesn't really uh does does doesn't really affect bayern and it also doesn't affect dortmund in the sense that if they qualified for the champions league or another uh, club through that uh right t top 10 ranking there will be shit anyway and then uh, just uh just get dumped out of the Champions League anyway. So <laughs> that was her logic. So she she just didn't care. So uh, uh, kind of like that explanation. Obviously, that's uh, not always how football yeah. works. But uh, yeah, 
Um, anyway, uh, I, I, I think we can leave it here on the whole Super League UEFA thing. I hope on Thursday we will get another Matthias rant. Uh, former Tottenham supporter and Inter supporter. <laughs> Ret- reti- retired, retired, and recovering Tottenham supporter. <laughs> I guess it's a, it's a thing. Like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So it was interesting to see on Twitter like, how many you now folks are like, "Well, I was a Liverpool member for uh, forty years, but uh, you know what? F you, I I don't know. I'm I'm just doing something else. I'm just going to horse riding or something. Now, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not making fun of it. It's, it's just interesting to see. You know, like, um, and I, I actually. <sighs> to finish it off, but I, I wasn't really expect. I was expect. I was expecting backlash from fans, but I wasn't expecting the kind of backlash we have seen in the past forty-eight hours. I think there is some something to be said about uh, peer dynamics and and just you know people uh, getting reinforced their worldviews by others, and then thinking, yeah, we have to do something. We have to have collective action against this this whole thing, um, because there have been other things in football. World Cup in Qatar, you know, where there's like nothing again, or I mean, there are media reports against Qatar, but there's not much against Qatar in terms of, um, you know, in terms yeah. of protests, yeah, yeah. And, and solidarity and protests and so on. Uh, but this this thing, you know, that this has this has changed, uh, this has changed something in football, and I'm I'm quite intrigued to see what what's what's happening in in the next few years, and if this if this thing for uh, you uh, the Super League cartel of this you know go, uh, thing goes bust, I'm really intrigued to. To see what the what some of the owners do, especially the American owners, um, what they will do, I guess, because um, I mean, because especially they are really into this thing, uh, you know, Abu Dhabi with Manchester City, Roman Abramovich with Chelsea, eleven-hour editions, they will not change a thing if this thing goes bust. They will just return to you know normalcy. Um, but ours, I mean, there might be something uh, where things will change tr- drastically and also kind of. You know who trusts Andrea Agnelli anymore? <laughs> I don't think there's one person in this world who, tr- uh, other than his family, and even his family, like, I mean, who is the godfather of his uh, of his daughter? I think or granddaughter Alexander Jeffarin, the UEFA president, who is now accusing him to be a liar and a snake. I mean, <laughs> god damn it! Uh, it's it's so it's so great. So who, who's trusting who's trusting Agnelli anymore? I I don't think I I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't buy a, a used car from him. And there are many used cars from his company. Well, maybe Stan Kroenke, Stan Kroenke will make his own Super League with Blackjack and hookers. <laughs> um, in the meantime, though, uh, Dortmund <laughs> did win on the weekend on Sunday uh, after both Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, so Dortmund's future coach beat Gladbach's future coach as Gladbach <laughs> beat Frankfurt. And obviously Wolfsburg lost against Bayern, which means with those three points, Dortmund are now four points behind Frankfurt and five points behind Wolfsburg. And as you all know, Dortmund do play against Wolfsburg on next Saturday, I think. So after the Union Berlin game, if uh, the midweek results don't go completely uh, terrible for Dortmund, they do have a chance to cut down the lead from Wolfsburg down to two points. And uh, that is obviously something uh, that can... uh, be overcome so there is still some rest hope i would say um in the meantime though konstantin i don't know how much you saw of this Bremen game if anything at all but uh, if you have any takeaways what are they or what would they be well my first takeaway of course is that erling holland is back he's back in the game at least against uh, Preman after he were, he was quite quite discovering a young Norwegian against City. So um, I guess that's that's a that's a good thing. It's, it's, it's nice to get you know sliding back into the goal scoring rankings uh, just via penalty. That's that's usually the easy thing to do. Um, that's one of the takeaways. And I don't know. I I, I liked uh, actually. I mean, he didn't he didn't play his best match. By any stretch, uh, but I actually liked uh, that that uh, Terzic tested Mahmoud Ahoud as the central midfielder because I think that's because what watching Emre Can over 180 minutes or how long it was against City um, gave me feelings inside myself I didn't want to feel just you know it's, not, it's, it's like the you know anti anti feeling basically so um yeah Constant, I mean if, and discovered his inner dark side <laughs> 
yes, I, I, I just, I, I went, I went all Darth Vader uh, in, in some of these moments, and you know, just wanted Emma John to disappear off the face of the earth. Um, so, but I guess, and Axel Witzel is out, and we, we know, and I mean, Axel Witzel was slow before the injury. I don't know how slow he will be after the injury. We will, we will talk about the Nuri Shahin situation there in, in, in the, you know, oh boy. in a couple of months probably. Um, so you know, but there's also there's also a positive to um, being Nuri Jahin slow because you are basically equally slow moving forward and backwards. So there you go. Um, so yeah, but back to the topic, uh, I guess uh, testing Mahmoud Dahoud as a holding midfielder to use a traditional English term uh, is um, is kind of something I, I would like to see more um, because moving forward, if you don't sign up any kind of tremendous holding midfielder, you know, you're kind of... Uh, um, I don't. I don't even know who. You know, there's 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 no Joshua Kimmich on the market. So um, uh, I guess uh, you you have to look at what you have. Um, and I think Dahoud playing the center midfielder role is um, yeah, it's 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 an option. I think. And also one thing I want to mention is uh, Bellingham. Great match against uh, Bremen again. And I remember when I when Berling, Bellingham was signed. You know, uh, I don't know back back in the day. Uh, <laughs> and I was I was uh, saying on Twitter that yeah, he could he could play in as an attacking midfielder and so on. Everyone was like, no, no, he's not an attacking midfielder. He's he's a central midfielder and he's playing. You know, he's a holding midfielder. He's defensive defensive midfielder. Well, 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 well. What have the past few matches taught us? It's actually that Jude Bellingham playing in an attacking role, basically as a second striker in some cases or as a as a hybrid winger, is actually actually what you you know what you uh, should consider moving forward because it's kind of a role that he can play very well and he he fits so yeah there you go that's just uh, my my last thing i wanted to bring up and is there anything else i mean uh, marvin hits um, yeah well mm, eh. right <laughs> we, we we just say nothing at this point yeah i mean he uh, he could have arguably uh, left his line a little sooner uh, i mean Dortmund were playing yeah. in this uh, in in their uh, vintage 90s kits it was a lo- sort of a throwback but yeah. uh, if you if, if you look at marvin <laughs> did, did you get a jersey did you get a jersey no i did not i did not uh, i don't yeah I don't. when i locked in i was i was number 26 000 something something and i was like all right anyway yeah also i i just i don't feel like i need to buy more dortmund stuff uh even yeah, though i no. i don't think i've i've i don't have a jersey here in the united states i've a couple uh back at home in in, in dortmund but um Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel like spending money on this uh, stuff. But what I was going funny thing, fi- fi- funny thing. So- sorry that to to distract, but I think there was some foreshadowing with the uh, Super League. By the way, a few weeks ago, a company uh, sent me a gift, and it was a Juventus shirt. Huh. And I think there was, you know, I-, I should I should have gotten the hint, but I didn't. <laughs> <sighs> Well, yeah, so I don't know. Out of nowhere, a company that wanted to, I don't know what they wanted to do, uh, because, I, because I'm because i an influencer or something, uh, they, they, they sent me a gift and it was a Juventus show, one of these uh, expensive shows they wanted to, like, like for 130 bucks or so. It's just sent me that as a gift. And I was like, I was like why Juventus show? I should have known. <sighs> well, I don't think right. my joke is anyway. funny anymore because uh, everything's gone now. But I was going to say that uh, maybe he should have played uh, in a Uhu shirt. Because that's uh, a very old Dortmund shirt uh, with the Uhu, which is a glue, uh, because he was glued on his line uh, and not coming off. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, so um, yeah, uh, we we obviously can talk about that. Also, Moray uh, uh, not really helping the offside trap there. I think that was something that Terzic criticized at today's news conference. Um, that maybe they should focus a little bit better on the offside trap and maybe uh, do that all in uh, unisono, is I think what you said, uh, loosely mm. translated. Um, other than that... Um, I, I, I like when he, speak, when he speaks Italian. Yeah, yeah, uh, me too. Uh, <laughs> unisono. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Italian, uh, Gio Reyna, obviously, one of his better performances <laughs> and uh, much needed. Uh, the uh, strike for the, I think it was the 2-1, uh, no, actually, no. It was the it was the one one. Uh, I think that was, that was one of the the, the best uh, and cleanest strikes you you can see in football. It's just uh, beautiful the the way the ball bounced and he just hit it with the uh, top of, of his shoe and it just hit the top corner and, and uh, the ball had almost no rotation. It just like on a straight line 
uh, flew in, into that top bins, and that was that was really beautiful to see. And uh, obviously, he sort of assisted the uh, the third goal as well, even though there were two deflections in the way for uh, Erling Haaland. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's how it's basically uh, uh, going right now. That uh, we have Haaland and Reyna back in form, and uh, even if it's just one game, that is positive. Uh, and I have to agree with you uh, in regards to Jude Bellingham. I thought, uh, especially uh, like about 20 minutes into the game when Dortmund really uh, became more dominant after conceding, uh, I think the the fact that Bremen had hardly any uh, combination in their own half, uh, they sort of mm. just had long passes and they were then just snuffed out by Dortmund's defense. Hummels, uh, etc. I think that has a lot to do with how Bellingham uh, in particular, but also Reiner, how they played, um, because Bellingham's very aggressive, uh, up, you know, pressing really high, and uh, I really liked that. It was uh, very intense, and you could see after 90 minutes how fatigued he was, and I was hoping for him to get subbed off. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's sort of how the game was. I don't, I don't know if this was the best Dortmund performance ever. It may be more the story of how terrible Bremen were. And uh, I, th- I thought they were actually all- also quite brutal, especially in the second half. There were a lot of, uh, yeah. lot of, lot of hard challenges. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know Bremen right now, not really in, in any form whatsoever, but I think uh, as a Dortmund fan, you'll take it, especially since it was sort of a, a, a you know, minus the part where Rashica or Rachisa, Rachisa scored. Jesus. Um, mm. Yeah. I mean, I can ramble on and on, but uh, it was nice to cruise to win. And I must admit that I really haven't seen the entire game because I was uh, more engrossed in the Formula One race in Imola than uh, watching Dortmund. So um, there it is. Says the host of uh, of the English speaking Dortmund podcast. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, all right, I've, all right. I've got hobbies too. Okay, I like watching F one. Yeah, you have your priorities, right? Yeah, watching watching Russell and and Bottas uh, crashing is. Uh, more important than watching Dortmund. Apparently, All yes. Right. Um, I, I, will, I, will, I will tell Marco Reis about okay. it. Okay, uh, you do that, and then he will ask who that person is. So, <laughs> who, who is who is this uh, Busco? Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so Constantine. That all being said, uh, I think Cologne just took the lead uh, against Leipzig, so that I think mathematically yeah. means Schalke are relegated. But obviously, there's still some. Uh, Time to play in this game. Um, but in the meantime, Dortmund will play against Union Berlin, a side that's right now eighth in the Bundesliga with 43 points. And uh, I think their last game was a 2-1 win against Stuttgart, their best goal scorer, without uh, much surprise, even though he was injured for quite a long time. Is Max Kruse with 10 goals. And the uh, player with the most assists is Christopher Trimmel, their captain with eight assists. Um, so yeah, Tessic today said uh, that Sancho could be back in the matchday squad after returning to team training on Monday. Uh, meanwhile, Delaney is still out. I'll also add that Akanji and Hummels are both on four yellow cards. So if both get booked, they will miss against Wolfsburg. Uh, Union, meanwhile, are without uh, Avoni, who uh, scored in the uh, 2-1 win against Dortmund last December, and they will also be without Becker. So um, that all being said, Konstantin what can Dortmund expect from this Wednesday night game against Union Berlin? Well, I mean, the, the, the Union Union Berlin, as some say, or Union Berlin, I, I guess we all remember the, or maybe we don't remember because, you know, it was was quite quite a memorable night, but we should forget uh, <laughs> the 2-1 loss against uh, Union Union uh, in December. Uh, second 18 Terzic match and yeah that was two sad pieces I, f- I think of sorry two sad pieces two sad pieces yeah two, two sad pieces yeah that's right um uh, yeah, that was kind of a, a shit show, um, to be honest. Especially like if you remember, like there was, of course, the, there was defeat against Stuttgart, and uh, we forget about that. And then there was this ugly win over Bremen, and everyone was like, "Yeah, maybe they are back," you know, maybe. And then playing at Alte Försterei 
and uh, getting beaten by Union. All right, um, back to back to Favre. Um, so it was yeah, it was kind of a disappointment, and uh, there was there was a, then then against Braunschweig, of course, that uh, you know at, at least getting to the next round in the, in the cup. But um, I I'm not sure what to expect actually. Uh, to be honest, I mean I guess uh, probably something similar to the first match, just Dortmund having a lot of possession, a lot of possession, and uh, Union doing not much. It's also interesting. I mean, they are, um, you know, they, they like to have the ball themselves. But if they don't, if, if the other team says just nope, we 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 are the you know the playmaking team here, uh, then they they don't bother. Uh, they just here yeah, let them let them do their thing, and then just uh, try to get some turnovers and counterattack. And also, interestingly enough, I mean, Union Union is one of the one of the teams that that runs the least, by the way, in the entire it's lazy. league. Lazy. Um, so it's. Yeah, they're basically lazy. Yes. Yeah, it's just just not in the blue, you know, blue color club and everything. It's just no, no. They they are white color lazy. Uh, <laughs> no, but but uh, seriously, I mean they um they they don't really run that much. And which which is first of all, it's interesting to see that you know they are not the high intense, high pressing kind of team uh, in in most cases. But also they are fairly good with uh, managing their energy. And so they are, you know, they they are consistent over 90 minutes in, in most matches, which is a big plus for a team, uh, especially now with you know having matches on Saturday and Wednesday and Saturday and so on. Um, so I guess um, that's also something to keep in mind. So Dortmund, they have to be smart with with uh, substitutions because Dortmund, they are not a team that you know is fair is managing the energy fairly well. So um, I I hope that Terzic reacts uh, quick enough in this match. And not waits for too long because that's a kind of the mo of most Dortmund coaches in the past. Um, let's uh, ten years or so that that uh, you know substitutions only after the seventeenth seventeenth minute. Um, other than that, we we don't do it. You don't do that kind I of thing over here. I don't know what you're talking Dortmund. about. Tessic brought on Piszczek at halftime against Bremen, so that's a very proactive well, move. Yes, of course. I mean that now now uh, Piszczek time is is back uh Maybe. it's interesting no but but seriously um it's just sometimes you know the coaches wait for too long so um i hope that's not the case against union and other than that's just uh, how many mistakes will dortmund commit um, <laughs> that's really is the it, question be, is it below, what, what's the what's the over under here is it is it uh, 4.5 uh, crucial mistakes uh, is it under then they, they they might win is it over uh well the three points go to the club from east berlin so there you go yeah, I mean, that's uh, really the question. Uh, if I remember correctly, Dortmund had around 70% possession in the f- first yeah. game against uh, Union this, uh, or rather last year it was, but this season. Um, so it's it's probably going to be not fun to watch. Uh, you know, maybe it will feel mm-hmm. a bit like the uh, cup games that Dortmund had against Union uh, previously, where I think they also went to overtime. Um, not much fun, really. Uh especially since Dortmund uh, do struggle to break Union down and uh, their coach usually has a solution of how to cut off Dortmund's uh, most dangerous players. So, um, yeah, Terzic really uh, needs to come up with something, I think, surprising. He needs to draft something, uh, I I, I feel like, a couple tactical ploys that uh, he hasn't really shown or uh, just uh, not not, uh, frequently. I wonder if Julian Brandt will make the team sheet once again. Um, his game against Bremen was wasn't really half bad. I don't see a reason why you would start Hazard right now. So, um, and as you said, I think the uh, Dahoud Bellingham Brand trio in midfield, if you will, um, is is maybe a, a a good solution against Union Berlin too. Obviously, they are uh, especially Brand sometimes is very error prone, but uh, so is Emre Can. Uh, Delaney, as I said, is still out. So yeah, these I I guess are your options. Um, I don't know how fit Dortmund are right now. Uh, they obviously had a lot of uh, tough games in in uh, recent uh, weeks, especially against Manchester City. All this is very draining. So um, like I said, it's a rest hope for Champions League qualification uh, for Dortmund. But uh, I don't know if they can overcome this Union Berlin team. I mean, on the one hand, yes, you can obviously as Borussia Dortmund always turn up and just smash any team of the Bundesliga except for Bayern maybe but even then uh, that even Bayern are smashable <laughs> on their night um, so Konstantin uh, 
since we're almost one hour into this and um, if Schalke indeed get relegated in like a couple of minutes, uh, I want to be there live to enjoy it all. Um, why don't you just go ahead and give me a prediction? Uh, I go with the typical 1-1. One, one. It's a draw. Fine. People, yeah, it's a draw. I, I was going to say 2-2, two, two, but uh, I want to be a bit more optimistic and I'm just going to say Dortmund are going to win this 3-1. So um Ooh. yeah uh why 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 not let's let's keep some excitement for the Saturday match against uh, Wolfsburg which uh, surely then uh, if 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 that all happens uh, will be exciting obviously we we do not know how Wolfsburg and Frankfurt will play respectively i think Frankfurt will play against Augsburg i don't know who uh, Wolfsburg are playing uh, in this midweek game uh, maybe you can help me out here um any idea no Oh no, let me look it up. They are playing in Stuttgart, so actually that's uh, not an easy uh, match either. So maybe uh, that, that will uh, be interesting. Uh, let's keep an eye on that. It's also the uh, Wednesday match uh, parallel to Dortmund's games. So um, right now, I'm I'm honestly, I'm hoping more for, for Wolfsburg to drop, drop out of the top four than Frankfurt because uh, it would be obviously much cooler to have Frankfurt in the Champions League than Wolfsburg. That's just my opinion. Anyway, um, let's get out of here. Um, as always, I want to thank uh, all our listeners and especially our patrons because without your support, this podcast uh, simply would not exist anymore, at least not in this form and uh, with this frequency. So uh, to all of you who are uh, supporting us financially, a big thank you. If you want to contribute, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall. Um, Constantine, how can people follow you on Twitter and read all your written and all your work? Mm. they can follow me on twitter at cc underscore ekner and yeah that's i guess that's the best way to reach me and um find my find my stuff you know yeah. they can german check speakers. out my twitter account they can yeah. german speakers can like follow you on youtube they yeah german speakers can follow me on youtube youtube.com slash konstantin ekner einfach yeah simply you know simply einfach einfach folgen da you know and so that's that's for the german listeners but they can also check out my my twitter account i guess because there's usually everything i do for for you know radio tv and and written stuff it's 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 findable there you know findable um so i guess findable yeah it's it's a new word just like no i just made it up Leipzig just found an equalizer against Cologne. <sighs> God damn it. Oh, no. N n now, now we are all hoping for Bielefeld or what? Yes. Yeah. All right. To wrap it up, yeah, they, that's how, how they can find me. And, you know, uh, thanks, of course, to all the Patreons who are keeping this ship afloat, <laughs> um, you know, who are, who are putting food on uh, Stefan's table, who are um, also the, you know, the backbone and the um, just... You know the the good soul of this uh, show, and um, yeah, stay strong, <laughs> guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should be back on Thursday uh, with hopefully more Matthias rants. I'm looking very much forward to that, to be honest, and uh, hopefully a win from Dortmund. You can follow me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. You can follow all of us on Twitter and Facebook at Yellow Wallpot. And if you want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, you have to type Yellow Wallpot into the YouTube uh, search mask and uh, that's where you'll find it. Otherwise, you can uh, subscribe to the show via, I don't know, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc. All the various ways and means. But in the meantime, as always, thank you for listening and goodbye.